0: Let's listen to Matt Reister, Director of Christian Crusaders and the Cedar Falls Bible Conference.
1: Today we're in Matthew chapter 27, verses 27 through 31. Jesus has been handed over by the Jewish leaders to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. He looked for a way to release Jesus, but the crowd demanded that he release Barabbas instead, and now he is delivered to be crucified. Verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. A battalion is a group of Roman soldiers, some scholars say, between 120 and 200 soldiers. Others say up to 600. And at least part of the reason for all this attention is that Jerusalem is a tinderbox right now. All these people are in town for the Passover. There's this power struggle between the Jewish leaders and the people who want Jesus crucified and the masses of people who were just shouting Hosanna as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey just a few days ago. Part of the reason Pilate has acted the way he has in the midst of this, which we've talked about in previous devotions, is because he needs to cover his own tail. He needs to make sure there's no uprising, no problem for the Roman authorities to look down on his performance as a Roman governor. And so this is all hands on deck. Verse 28, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. I believe Mark and Luke say that the robe that Jesus wore was purple, and this shouldn't be disconcerting, this discrepancy. Obviously purple and red or scarlet are close enough to each other that one person could look at it and say that's scarlet, another person could look at it and say it's purple. And the reason that I'm even highlighting this at all is I think I think it adds to the authenticity and the believability of Scripture. Every one of these eyewitness accounts in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are slightly different. And that's good, because even today, if you and I were reporting an eyewitness testimony of something we both saw, details regarding what we saw would be slightly different, and investigators would look for the details to be different in our testimonies as a way of verifying their validity. If every one of these Gospels agreed on everything all the way down to the detail of the color of Jesus' robe, it would be suspicious. It would point to the fact that these stories had been concocted and aligned before they were written down. But little discrepancies like this should build our faith, not cause us to doubt. Verse 29, And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, like a scepter, a reed. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. So this is obviously horrific. Remember, this is Jesus Christ. This is the second person of the Trinity. He came to live on this earth as a human to subject himself to this mess so that we could be reconciled to God through the perfect life that he lived and through the sinless death that he died and the resurrection that followed. And here he is being mocked and derided and spit on and mistreated by these scoundrels. Scholars have pointed out that when Jesus came the first time, he came humbly to die. But Jesus is going to come again, and when he comes again, he's going to come as a king to conquer. And that's why this scene where they're mocking him as the king of the Jews, putting a fake robe on him, putting a fake crown on him, putting a fake scepter in his hand. They have no idea who they're messing with. They have no idea what they're foreshadowing. Roman soldiers, by the way, were known to be exceptionally cruel when they carried out the death sentence, mocking and deriding and mistreating people who had been condemned to death. But in this case, it foreshadows a day where Jesus will be the king. Not a fake king who's being mocked, but a conquering king before whom every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what the Bible says. That shows up in Isaiah first as a prophecy. Then Paul writes about it a couple times in his letters. And when Christ returns, the people who have put their faith and trust in him will bow joyfully, will bow joyfully before him in worship. The people who have rejected him will bow before him with fear and trembling. But on that day, every knee will bow and every Every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I don't know exactly how it's all going to work. Will that just be the people that are on earth at that time as Jesus establishes his earthly reign? Or will all people who have lived and died be able to see that scene unfold? In other words, I don't know if these guys specifically who did this in this text will be part of those or see those who bow before the returning and conquering King Jesus Christ. But either way, can you imagine what would go through their minds if they knew how this story ends. And I think it's good for those of us that are followers of Christ to be reminded that that day is coming. Ultimately, Jesus will be vindicated. And with him, those of us who follow him and trust him, and the people who reject him and mock him and don't respond to him in faith, it's going to end very bad for them. This should not only motivate us to be purposeful in the way that we live, so that more people who would otherwise reject him will receive him because of our testimony in their lives, because of how we've shown Christ to them, because of how we've explained to them how they can trust him and receive his righteousness and forgiveness and be counted among those who will kneel before him joyfully and worshipfully. It should also inspire us to stand firm on our toughest days. This is Jesus' toughest day. He knew it was coming and he walked into it willingly. And part of the reason he was willing is because he knew the end of the story. He knew that he would rise. He knew that he would defeat sin, death, the power of the devil. He knew he would be vindicated. And we have that same hope because we are connected with him by faith as brothers and sisters of Christ, sons and daughters of God. I don't know what was going through his mind during this time. He's probably praying for the people that were mocking him. We saw him pray for the people who crucified him later in the narrative. But I can imagine him thinking just a little bit longer, just a little bit further, just a little bit more. This isn't going to last just more than a little bit. Later on, when he hangs on the cross, just before he dies, he says, it is finished. We'll talk about that when we get to that point in the text, but I think Jesus... Jesus is patiently enduring suffering, knowing what will come in the end. And we can patiently endure suffering as well, knowing what will come in the end for us who know Jesus Christ. Have a good day.
0: The Daily Dose is a podcast of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry. Please subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, share with a friend, and prayerfully consider financially supporting our ministry at christiancrusaders.org where you can also find our weekly 30-minute radio broadcast, which is aired on stations around the world since 1936 and where you can listen to our Conversations podcast featuring inspiring interviews with interesting Christians. Special thanks to our 2022 Daily Dose sponsor, The Family Leader. God designed three social institutions to shape our lives.